Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Health Ignited with Dr. Sonia Jensen and myself. This channel is all about sharing information on how to optimize your hormonal health through optimizing your relationships, your lifespan, your vitality. And so if you're enjoying this information, thank you so much for subscribing to the channel, to the podcast, and please share, like, subscribe uh, if you feel like this information is worthwhile to you. And we'd love to hear how this is impacting your life. You know, what, what have you learned? What's, what's influencing you? What, what are you adopting? What are you putting into your lifestyle? Or maybe what rocks are you looking at? Or like what mm-hmm. lab tests have you, have you uh, checked into for your health, for your hormones? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, or questions that you have. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So as we get into today's topic uh, around, I mean, this being uh, the health month of mental awareness, mental mm-hmm. health awareness, and uh, a big part of how we assess and treat and support and optimize hormones is through the, this lens of detoxification and or using it as a tool, I should say, to help support the hormonal system. So much of our hormonal health is dependent on how, uh, how we're overcoming our environment. And since you know, this is all about mental health and, and mental health and wellness, we wanted to talk about detoxification through the lens of the emotional system, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Which is one of your, like, it's in your wheelhouse. It's my jam. It's yeah, emotional yeah. detox. Yeah. Yeah, so when we talk with patients or we're working with them in regards to detoxification, we will often premise it with, you know, those things that maybe you haven't been bringing up to the surface, like certain emotions or certain um, challenges that you face that you've kind of just brushed away a little bit, um, they may surface when you detox because we store so much of our emotion in our organs, in our cells, and as we're clearing the path around that cellular structure or that extracellular matrix or allowing the organs to do what they're meant to do, those emotions will also rise so that it's an opportunity to detoxify some of those things that we've been holding on to for so long. Yeah. I mean, the way that I've come to appreciate emotions is that they're a tool. They're really like they're there's something like they're recipes, part of the recipe. You know, you can be meeting a moment of, you know, whether it be with work, your boss, or a friendship or relationship or whatever. And we have this like thousands of different emotions that we can draw from to to be able to move through, you know, the, the event that we're in. And we're not always picking the right one. Right. But the, whatever one that we do pick, often we find we try to find the fault in someone else and continually perpetuate this uh, toxicity essentially of emotion because maybe we just haven't mastered the tool for that moment. I also think because people feel like it's not a choice, like you're not picking the emotion. It's picking you. Yeah, it's picking you and it's driving your actions and then your thoughts and then what happens in that moment, um, whether you're responding or reacting to a trigger so often there isn't a lot of sense of like discernment and control over the emotion that's arising in that moment. Yeah. So how do you help people like access the toolkit, so to speak, or help them understand that emotions are tools and we can either, 
you know, be not aware of the, their their role in in each you know challenge that we face, or yeah, how do you how do you bring some information into that? Well, first, just awareness of like where they're feeling it in their body, because most of us will feel it in our bodies first before we are actually thinking about it from a logical perspective. Whether they're going to feel it in our gut or the heart starts to race, we kind of step into that like survival fight or flight state very easily when we are in an emotional state. So this can vary from like being in traffic and being upset that we're going to be late for something to kids not doing what we want them to do and it's triggering things or for women that are in their last half of their cycle and all of a sudden don't have control over how they feel about their partners and are feeling really irritable but not really knowing where it's coming from. It's being felt somewhere, whether it's in their chest or their belly or they're getting a headache now. So like kind of putting those pieces together of like when I feel this emotion, I'm feeling it somewhere in my body. So the first thing is that awareness. Okay, there's something rising up. And so what I like to see it is, okay, well, when that's happening, ask, ask it a question. Like, why are you here? Like, what is it that you want me to understand for this moment? Or, okay, thank you for telling me that I'm in my last half of my cycle or a week before my period. Um, so you can start to discern if the emotion what it's bringing up, why it's bringing it up, and can I transform it in that moment, or do I just need to like listen to it? Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's helpful to sort of like frame it as a tool set or as a mm -hmm. toolkit to identify it, what to do with it. And now I want to hear like what is something over the last week, two weeks, maybe that's pissed you off, <laughs> irritated you. Uh, there's so many. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember now. So many. <laughs> But if you can bring one to mind, because it would be uh -huh. it'd be fun to sort of like workshop a little bit, because th this this is happening constantly through our day. Yeah. Right. And well, maybe you remind me because you probably remember it very closely because it was probably connected to you. Pro probably it's probably something that I that I stirred inside of you. Possibly. I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head in this moment. But what when we bring like I had um, I had an experience with driving the car. I was driving with Kai. Kyan, I think, uh, to soccer, mm. and I was in this roundabout, and I, I was on my lane. There's only one lane in this roundabout at, uh, over at the, the South Surrey soccer field, and I was coming into the third exit point where I could have exited, but I was I had to come almost full circle to to go to take a left, and this this jeep, not slowing down just runs through it, right? Like he's not waiting his turn and he just runs through it. And so I honked at him mm -hmm. and I was irritated and he put his hand out the window <laughs> and fingered me. And I was like, dude, you're, you're totally in the wrong here. You don't enter mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the circle until like it's your turn, right? And I got irritated, I got jazzed up. And then, and then I was like, okay, well, this is doing me no good staying angry. So, okay, it was there. I. I was providing I was provided a tool set to safely slow down because this guy wanted to cut in front of me. And then ultimately I realized like I was irritated because I've you never know what someone's going through or who's in the vehicle. Like I'd soren with us. Mm -hmm. And if he if I would have like not you know had discernment and slowed down, he would have collided right into our son's door. Mm -hmm. And that makes me irritated. How could he know that he almost put us in danger? Uh, who knows why he was decided that he had to cut me off? 
and all these different things. And then, you know, I think anyone is getting, who's getting honked at wants to throw a finger at you. <laughs> That's Possibly. just a, it's a reaction. Like yeah. he's not a bad person. He's just reacting to the moment. Right. Right. And maybe somehow he thought he was in the right, like who knows. But it was just, it was interesting because like, um, I didn't, I didn't want to linger there. I know I could have, I could have just stayed irritated, but what, what, what would be the point? You know, I think that, that, that irritation for me was just a way to put on the brakes mm. and a way to protect my child. Mm -hmm. And it didn't need to be there for anything more than that. Like, okay, well, this guy just wanted to cut us off and it is what it is. But there, there, was, there was no more that I needed to do with that emotion. Right. And this is, you know, this, I've definitely, I can think of times in the past where I would like ruminate on it, get really pissed off or irritated. And then, and then we break down what else is happening. I think that I don't do well with unjust behavior. Like I don't, like unjust behavior uh, feels like it's encroaching on my liberty or my ability to drive in a safe manner. <laughs> but uh, like there's many different layers that can come up. There's obviously safety for a child. There's all these different things. But I, I think those are the things to reflect on and, and just and not go so washed up in the moment of trying to figure out that individual, right. which is where I think we spend most of our energy was we, we put it back on the individual, like how dare they behave that way? Why did they do this? And then it becomes this toxicity brew of hormonal overwhelm yeah. that you could just live with. Yeah, because well, I think that starts from a young age of wanting to be understood and wanting yeah. to be heard and seen. So in that moment when that person doesn't understand what I'm going through and what they could have put me through, it creates more irritability and anger and whatever emotion might be coming up because of that, that past story or that attachment to wanting to be seen and heard and understood by others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that can vary for all of us depending on like how emotionally mature we had to be at a young age or what we've learned from our surroundings. It's going to inform like these little moments. I mean, it's, it's not little, but these are like the daily things that happen. So it could be, you know, depending on your personality too. Like if we look at our oldest son, he's a kind of a perfectionist. So he gets quite emotional when it comes to um, his schoolwork or if something's not going the right way or mm -hmm. in Minecraft if something's not stacking the way it's supposed to stack or whatever it might be. So right now he's kind of in that phase where like everything outside of him isn't working. Mm -hmm. And it's also because he's so hard on himself. And so when we start to like dissect that like you did of like, okay, where is that actually coming from? We can start to then understand that all of those moments are being fed by a belief that I have about myself. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So have you thought of... Yeah, again, I'm trying to think like there's so many like little <laughs> ones that I can't even like pinpoint like a perfect example um, to talk about. But I mean, there's like the, a theme that was going on for the last like, couple of weeks and it's something that I've been speaking to a lot um, on my Instagram is the theme of sadness. And I think a lot of it has to do with what we talked about in our last episode, too, of the stage in life that I'm in is very reflective for me. So I feel sad more often than I feel happy. And then it's like defining what is happiness, like what does that actually mean? And is it OK to feel sad or is it OK to have grief over things that could have been or things that... Um, I want for myself, but I don't know how to access them because of this stage in life. And 
So all these things, like we talked about in our last episode, there's so much brewing and there's so much confusion. And yet, yet you have to live your day to day with your kids, with your job and with like all this output of energy that we don't get a lot of time to like sit in reflection unless we have that like morning practice. But even that, I feel like for me anyways, right now doesn't feel enough. And so then I walk through my day with some irritation. So like little things will will set me off because I'm feeling like I'm either not doing enough or um, I don't know what I want to do or like there's just confusion. So then that confusion now is feeding the emotion. Mm-hmm. I probably confused everybody just with that story. No, no. I'm so unclear No, no, about that's, that's, that's a big one though. Like sadness yeah. is a big one, especially if you're not giving yourself space to really identify, you know, the triggers for it to show up. Um, maybe spending enough time really assessing what are you really sad about right now? Like, what are you grieving? Um, unless, like, if it's, it's more like, if it's not maybe specific enough for you, it's easy to sort of just linger there and then find many reasons in your world that, that are mirroring that feeling for you. Yeah, and then there's like, you know, like the brain stuff that's going on with the, the lowered hormones, like estrogens falling, testosterone's always yeah. been low, and adrenally feeling, you know, just a bit more fatigued just from like the buildup of life up until now. So there's all these physical things that feed into this emotional moment, and then there's like the emotional things from the past that are feeding into this moment. So I know it always goes to like, how can I just be in this moment instead of stuck in the past or worrying about the future like we talked about in our last episode my dad turning 70 so i have this like worry now of like him not being with us anymore so it's like when we're feeling that emotion or the toxicity of an emotion i don't even like calling it that it's more like if we're stuck in one state of an emotion it's not just about what's happening there it's like all these things that mm-hmm. are swirling inside of us. So would you would you say for you that, that sadness is a tool or is it a state? I think it's both. Well, it's, I mean, that, that's kind of the same thing, I guess. But yeah. maybe, maybe I could say that a different way. Do you feel like sadness is a state, a, a tool, or are you identifying as a trait for yourself? It is who you are. That's where I feel like I've been stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think this is important because... Yeah. This is, this is, I think, how we identify ourselves. We, we, maybe we always want to be the positive person, or maybe mm-hmm. we always want to be the one who... The funny guy. The funny person, mm-hmm. yeah. And what are we really good at? It's our default. Mm-hmm. And then are we, do we just end up living there, not actually using the emotion as a tool for which I feel, I, mean, I could be wrong, I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong in many different ways, but what if we could just actually appreciate it as a tool for something? Yeah. I'll give another example myself until you like maybe find one for you. Well, I, I just did. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I was trying to think of like a specific moment. Right. What did you do with that? Like, right. like, r- r- did you break it down? Okay, so let's grab another one for me. Okay. Because these are really easy for me. Right. <laughs> I got irritated with uh, the boys destroying our oh, garage. Yes. Our garage. Mm. There's, they create. They do a project. Maybe I should put that in quotation marks. Well, they no, s- it is a project. It's a project. It's just, it's like a never-ending project. Well, no, it's ending tomorrow. Technically. But the... No, really? Yeah, no, no, I know. <laughs> like, logistically, it's ending tomorrow. Uh-huh. But the reality of the devastation in the garage, like, this is how I'm interpreting it. Right. Is lingering 
past uh, any sort of points of like reconciliation. And so I'm the one who ends up being the guy who cleans the garage. And I'm cleaning up after them and it's annoying. And, and I want them to be involved in taking responsibility for their messes and whatnot. And so we've created a system around like putting their clothes away, helping fold laundry, doing those things. And they're doing a great job when I remind them of it. Um, and then when I get them to clean, clean up the garage, sure, they clean up the garage in their, in their version of it, but nowhere does it like meet the standards that I've created for what clean could look like because we still want our garage to be somewhat functional. You know, it's become a storage space for Tula Tea. It's become a play zone for the kids. It's our the place where we exercise. And then when one of those like systems uh, of like a new activity happens in there, that's affecting all these other components and it irritates me. And so my tool of like getting irritated and frustrated eventually leads me into an act action of like cleaning it up. Right. I feel so much better after I clean it up, but I'm also irritated that I have to clean it up. But I also have to recognize that my cleaning up is a different reality than what yours would look like, but it's also a different reality than what the boys' reality of cleaning up looks like. And and so maybe you can help me <laughs> help it identify like there's there's a positivity in the irritation because it moves me into action um yes and okay so then, well, can i finish my thought sure. yeah and then and then after that irritation there's there i receive a reward of of being able to accomplish something and then i feel like i have to justify my behavior afterwards for right. you for the boys look i had to get irritated with you so something changed but really like this was all my own, own internal process i could have just kept all that to myself to some degree but right. i also could have involved them a little bit more right. so that they knew what my version of clean looks like yeah. for a functional garage okay sorry jump in yeah so i was just going to say so in that moment if the irritation is a tool then do we become reliant on that tool to show up before we can step into that kind of action or can we bypass that and recognize okay this isn't ideal um, and inst instead of stepping into irritation next time just like going bypassing it and stepping into action right away or then do we start to create this imprint and pattern in our brain where it's like well no you need to feel this way in order for you to feel the action yeah like, i don't know the answer to that but it's yeah. just a curiosity of like because i do feel like anger is a fuel for action as well and mm -hmm. anger can transform into happiness so like all these things are tools but then when does it become that we get stuck in a pattern needing it? Like we talk about this in relationship too, because oftentimes it's like we have to get into like a tiff in order for there to be resolve about like things that can be going on for like years or things yeah. that um, specifically me, <laughs> if I haven't like talked about it before. Yeah. But then does that then become like the normal pattern for we, us to have to step into. So like, how do we do that as an individual too? Like, do I, do I need to feel sad in order to feel happy or can I bypass that? Or is it okay that I move through those steps? Yeah, I think part of it is just, it's unconscious because it was what was mirrored to us. Cause I can yeah. think back and I remember every time if my dad got pissed off at something, especially around like taking care of things or like doing your part, chores, whatever, whatever. Um, like I would, I could remember that anger and that ignited action, right? And kids are smart. They know if we get irritated and angry about, especially something about like cleaning or whatever, we're just going to do it. Yeah. And because even the whole laundry thing that you've 
taught them what they do now they just take their clothes off and they put them straight in the laundry even if it doesn't need to be washed yeah yeah that's sometimes. their way of putting their clothes away everything goes into the laundry yeah and like once a week we do like have a bigger uh -huh. um, cleanup together folding laundry and whatnot so yes it's it's a work in progress for sure yeah yeah um, so do I but you you sort of asked a question do I think that, or maybe do you guys think that that feeling is meant to be felt and then, and then you circumvent the feeling to, to move to the desired action more effectively? Um, I, well, I think it just comes down to self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, so let's say we're mirrored to behavior, we're repeating that pattern, it's causing some fallout for your kids, your family, um, your relationship with your partner, uh, there's consequences for moving into that sort of default pathway. Uh, I think that I don't know if that if that irritation ever really goes away, um, but I think definitely it can be it can be transmuted into something more productive. Hopefully, into a conversation like you can transmute. Okay, I'm feeling that. I can transmute this into a conversation where I'm getting everyone involved. Hey, hey, guys, just so you know, like. This is irritating me that, that I have to clean this up again. You know, what can we do to, to, to be part of a team and support everybody's feelings on this? And how can we, like if the garage, quote unquote, is my space to take care of or to decide what finished looks like, then we need to, we need to be in alignment with that. And so how can we just, okay, dad, it's okay, we'll get there. <laughs> Listen, Nick, it's all right. Like, get the boys to help you out. That's part of their, their chores to do, and we can move through it. So, I don't know, but let me, ask, let me ask the same question back to you with regards to sadness. Is it necessary for you to, to spend time there, uh, before, or you would use the words bypass, but maybe circumvent or transmute might mm, fit better for you? Yeah. yeah. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think. I think, I feel like it's a layered answer. Um, when we've spent so much time not recognizing the sadness and just going around our emotions and suppressing and um, not really seeing what an event or something that's happened in the past has created in our internal environment, when we're not spending time like healing that, it can feel very easy to step into sadness and do that same thing of um, either distracting yourself or um, removing yourself or removing that emotion and trying to put on a mask to like, again, make other people comfortable with how you're experiencing um, that emotion in that moment. So I think there's such a fine line between like recognizing that it's there, feeling it, knowing where it's coming from and then or now sitting in it so much that it starts to become like your identity and you're not able to pick yourself out of it. So I think when it starts to impact your day-to-day -day and how you see yourself and how you're relating to life, I think then we've like stepped into now it's become our identity. But I think if you're in it, you're feeling it, you're feeling the grief and you're able to see where it's from and how you can transform it, even if it's not happening in that that actual moment, then I think it's okay. I, I think it's necessary to feel it. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's sort of like the moniker, you got to feel it to heal it. Mm -hmm. 
there's so much truth to that. So do you do you ever do you feel like in going through your journey of of sadness that you're going to get to a place where you recognize it and then it it's maybe in certain circumstances, okay, I see you, I, I hear you, I feel you, I'm going to shift this into something. Like, yes, so, um, most times it can, but then going back to the hormone conversation, if I'm in my, like, that last half of my cycle or as soon as I ovulate, yeah. that system takes way longer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier for me to sit in it and it's easier for me to be like, well, this is just who I am now, so, like, how I look at it changes, whereas in my other half of my cycle, if it shows up, it's like, oh, okay, it's there again, it'll... This is, it's um, temporary, it's going to pass, and there's a lot that I have to be grateful for. Everything that has happened to me is for me. Like, I can see things in such a different way, but as soon as I ovulate, that changes. Even though I'm aware that there's like a day in my cycle where everything shifts, it still, it lingers a lot longer than it needs to. So, with that information, and and there's so, so much of a rhythm there. Yeah. What would you like? And you're not the only one who's feeling like this, obviously. What would be some like other tools to support those emotional tools? Yeah. Like, how do you like knowing that about yourself? What does that look like? Knowing that things feel pretty great in a different part of your cycle, what does that look like? Like, is there preparation involved? Is there things that you could be doing more deeply or more consistently to like deepen the investigation of sadness or, you know? Or any emotion. Or it any can be emotion. anger for somebody, for or sure, irritability. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, I think that's where like the cycle syncing comes into play and like recording how you're doing. Because for some, for some people, it's like the week before or the day before their period. I recognize it's as soon as I ovulate. So then I need to, a week before that or a couple of weeks before that, start preparing. Like maybe taking things that help support my adrenals, that help support my... Um, neurotransmitters like GABA and serotonin, like check in with my gut, just making sure I'm doing all that so I'm prepared for that moment that shows up in my second half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then what about like from an emotional detox point of view, like how can you support yourself there? I bought a journal. Okay, (laughs) that's a big step for me. I prescribe journaling to everyone and it's been such a fear thing for me. Yeah, can you Um, go into that? Because I think it's really interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, like not to go bit. into like yeah. full details, but since I was young, like writing something down um, wasn't always kept private. Yeah, not just writing something down, but literally writing in your in journal. In my journal. Yeah. yeah, it was just never kept private. So then I have this fear that I'm going to write down these crazy thoughts that I have, even though they're not true. But if somebody reads them, they're going to read them as true. And But they're true for you in that moment, though, right? Like, because the things that you feel are... Right. But then, like, I think also as humans, we have, like, crazy thoughts. Like, I used to think when the kids were small, I'd be holding them that they're going to fall down the stairs, their head's going to explode. Like, all these, like, weird things show up in one's mind that they're not true, but they're just, like, thoughts that are popping in that sometimes you just need to write down and, like, release. And um, so there's been like fear and not being able to trust that I can like journal and actually have that tool. And so we had a conversation about it the other day. And so I went, I did the first step of like buying, cause I love writing. Yeah, and obviously you wrote a book, so. That's right. And <laughs> so I think it's such an important one for me, but I've just denied it to myself. Good for you. So you guys listening, you know, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna check in on Sonia. Uh-huh. 
in a couple of months and see how the journaling's going. Mm -hmm. uh, we're actually going away for a little bit, so we're gonna get you're gonna get some time to, yeah, to journal. Yeah, I'll take it with me. Yeah, which mm -hmm. will be good. And I've made a promise here that I will not look at your journal. Yeah. Um, I can't speak for the boys, but we'll we'll right. get them, we'll get them to <laughs> to uh, swear to you as well. Right. But it's important. I mean, it's important to have a safe space. We yeah. talked about this in the masculine feminine sort of uh, dialogue or discussion podcast just around. You know, men are meant to be that protector to provide that safe space for you to, to let your energy flow you know, in whichever direction because it's so mm -hmm. expansive and, and creative in nature. So if you've been shutting down a creative aspect or outlet for yourself, that's going to be what we call like you're sort of plugging one of your detoxification pathways in your in your emotional nervous system. Yeah. Like you're, you're not allowing something to to free and, and to let go, right? Because mm -hmm. there's many ways that we can let go. It's just for you because it is one of your gifts of writing um, to, to have to sort of like squash or be stagnant there, that's gonna have a tremendous effect on how, mm -hmm. you're, how you're feeling emotionally. Because yeah. I even felt that when I wrote the book, I held back on so many things because that same trigger or that mm. memory um, was holding back and I don't want that for the next book. And so I think this is going to be so important. So this is for like all of us in our everyday, like where have we been holding ourselves back in our relationships, in our careers and everything because of these emotions that we're sometimes even afraid to feel or we haven't processed or we haven't been able to discern, like, is that my actual identity or is this just something that I had to create in order to survive my previous moments? Yeah, and that's what I want to bring up on this this idea of detox because we can, yeah. let's say maybe we think that we're paying attention to an emotion, we're aware that it's there, um, but may, what if it's a lie? Like, what if it's not real? Yeah. You know, and like, I think that's super important because what if we're believing something that is totally not real, but we've lied to ourselves and convinced ourselves that it is real. Yeah. And then, and then we just kind of go, okay, well, that's not a problem because that's, that's good. But I'd, like, any thoughts on that specifically? Because I'd love to have an example of what that, that could be for someone yeah. where, where they've been actually just lying to themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like a funny example that I could talk about today and then maybe from that something else will come up just with um, our oldest. We had to wake him up this morning mm. and he didn't want to get up because he was so tired. So he actually even yelled at you yeah. for waking him up. <laughs> I was like, good morning, guys. <laughs> what are you doing in here? <laughs> and so, you know, he came down and he still has his eyes closed. He's like, I feel the way I did like when I was jet lagged in Spain and he had this whole story of like, now I'm not going to do good on my math test and then I'm not going to feel well and then I'm going to be tired and sleepy all day and then I'm not going to feel well for our trip. And so he had this whole like trajectory of everything because in that moment he was feeling tired. So, mm -hmm. and that can be like any emotion we're feeling in that moment. If it's like irritability towards our partner, for example, um, a week before a period, like maybe they're chewing too loud or maybe... They said something and your expectation wasn't met for something and now there's like a story of like oh this is just how he is like he's never going to learn he's not going to be able to he doesn't understand me doesn't see me doesn't hear me and so that is like the the story and we know it's not true because the moment we start bleeding all of a sudden oh he's amazing mm -hmm. right Right. So we can see our partners. This is not personal, by the way. <laughs> we can see our partners in a different way. So then, then we can start to discern of like, okay, this what I'm feeling right now isn't actually truth. It's just 
something that's coming up in this moment. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. No, no, you did. But, like, I think that's a good example. Um, and I think, like, I mean, I think that there's probably many examples of stories like that where we've just fully believed it. And, and I think it's so interesting that we can be conscious in some aspects of our life and think that we've got those things nailed down. And it's these things, these maybe repeating patterns that are being mirrored for us in life where we keep meeting resistance, but we keep blaming the other people. And I think that might be the, the doorway in is where are we putting the blame outside of ourselves? Where are we not taking responsibility? Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Peters, we talked about this quote this morning. Um, Jordan Peterson's, one of his quote is, opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. And what a powerful statement to think of like, lying is a place that we have not taken responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that there's an opportunity just waiting for us to, to, to or for an opportunity to reveal itself, but, but it has to overcome the lie, it has to overcome, we have to step into responsibility yeah. for, for those tools. I was just going to say that like looking at your children or children in general and like seeing them as a mirror can be so helpful in that because you can see it happening in their dynamics. Yeah. You know, there's times where like kind or someone they're upset and they don't even know why they're upset anymore. But it, it's like they start defending their upsetness. And we do that as adults, too. But with kids, like they wear their heart on their sleeve. So they're just emotion comes and the emotions getting expressed. Mm -hmm. Whereas like we do that internally so much that we start to defend what we're feeling because we're so used to defending our identity or our personality because it becomes, like we said, like just a part of us of who we are. Yeah, uh, completely. So like I can, I can relate to that where we wear our emotion like a badge of honor and, and armor. Like this is what I'm feeling, how dare you? And this is mine. I'm someone who's sad all the time. I'm someone who's angry all the time. Uh, we've told that to ourselves and it's, it's, it's a way to protect ourselves. And it's a way to also lie to ourselves to some degree, not take responsibility to like to go into that. Mm -hmm. And you know, ultimately, like I feel like this is where we're, we're not, like all, I think all of us have a desire, hopefully to, to meet our highest potential, whatever that looks like someday. You know, and hopefully we're all of us are doing whatever we can to move towards that of, you know, self-awareness and right action and right relationship, whatever that might be for, for you um, or, or a high degree of success in whatever field that you're in. And I think that we all have a desire to move towards that. And yet how much heavy armor are we carrying with these lies and and, and not taking responsibility for where we could be stepping into so much more? And it just becomes this sort of safe space for us. But at some point, I think hopefully we can find a way to, to let go of that story. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the work. That's the emotional detox that needs to happen. Yeah. And it's not an easy journey, but it's one that can be very like liberating and like how much more freer would we feel if we didn't have to carry all that armor? Yeah, totally. You know, and I think that because it happens so often in, in daily life, like like it doesn't have to be these big no. things that we unearth for ourselves. It could just be the little things like, what am I repeating? Like, how am I feeling about such and such event? You know, what kind of emotions are coming up? Or is a person bothering you? Why are they bothering you? Like, I think we, we have an opportunity to chip away 
you know, our boys like to do Minecraft, like mine away, mm-hmm. at all these little things of, of like where we're getting stuck. And it, maybe fun's not the right word, but I think there's some sort of joy out of like cultivating awareness of, of our stuckness because that does, that allows us to move into more freedom. And like how, how does that show up hormonally? Like when mm-hmm. we start releasing those, the heaviness of that armor, you know, that protective, maybe cortisol or adrenaline or whatever that is, you know, how does that show up hormonally? We're not stuck in that, like, vigilance. So then your testosterone can thrive, your estrogen, your progesterone, like all these hormones that actually help us feel more free and connected, they get to thrive and be more in the driver's seat rather than, like, the cortisol and adrenaline that you were speaking to. And from a Chinese medicine perspective, we know that emotions are anchored into certain organs. So like resentment, anger into your liver and resentment's a big one that we've spoken about before. For women, I've seen it in like ovaries and uterus, like they start to like grow masses, like cysts or fibroids or polyps and things start to grow inside of them when they're not fully expressing the anger or the irritation, but instead it turns into resentment and then it's stuck in their bodies, um, grief is held in your lungs, fear is held in your kidneys, and worry is held in your spleen. So we start to see these emotions are now triggering um, changes in our organs. So then they're triggering changes in the body's ability to communicate well in regards to hormones. So then your cortisol and adrenaline and all these hormones need to be higher so that they can protect those organs now. And so that's just creating more of an inflammatory reaction. It's creating more um, deficiencies in our nutrients, which then will impact how the hormones are expressing themselves. Yeah, that's huge to tie back to the, the physical organs. And yeah, I think the Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, so these ancient medicines are so interesting at in being able to dissect a philosophy and, and really speak to the systems that are breaking down as a result of things being out of balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't help but think too, when you're saying this, what are the behavioral changes that the adaptations that happen when we're not releasing this heaviness and so like our sleep suffers right our digestion suffers our ability to recover um suffers like and i think that's a big one like like really spending time in a healing phase suffers Right. And so there's going to be more degeneration more adaptation towards stress as opposed to adaptation towards healing and I mean, ultimately, like that's that's what we want to do is let go of some of these layers so we can our body can actually do what it wants to do, which is move towards healing. Yeah, is to move towards that adaptive state of resolution, of resolve and recovery, um, all the things that we need to to do to live on on this planet, to yeah. to have health span and 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 freedom from you know medications and suffering and all the things that we, you know, slap on as a as a way we abdicate our responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe homework for everyone is to, like, what is a way that you can emotionally detox? So my homework is journaling. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe somebody else's, it's like a, it's a meditation, it's breath work, it's um, more connection time or whatever it might be. But just maybe finding that one thing that you can incorporate into your life that will help you become more aware of your emotional state. So maybe it's just asking yourself a question or talking to your emotions when they're showing up. So pick one thing that you can incorporate for the next like 60, 90 days or 30 days, whatever it is um, to support your emotions. Yeah. 
I know, I know. You when you talk like this, it's time to wrap up yeah. the podcast. <laughs> but I, but I do have one thing that I think is really important to okay, to discuss just while they're doing this homework. Yeah, yeah. And that's this idea of not deserving it. Right. Can you speak to that? Because I think that that's really huge. I think often we'll go, I don't have time. Like we find reasons why we're not deserving. Yeah. I don't have time. It's not important enough. I got kids to take care of or whatever. We somehow like move bypass our deserving on this. Yeah. So when we're in that state, it's because there's guilt and shame right. that's been like anchored or imprinted into our psyche. So that's a lot of unraveling, I think, that one has to do to recognize where that came from. Um, was it modeled? Was it told to us? Um, was Were there things that we were doing that then the reaction that we got from those that were caring for us or our environment that um, we felt shame around? So I think when we can recognize those two emotions, because um, shame is usually, it's what we identify with. It's like, it's who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but guilt is something like Brene Brown discerns between the two and that guilt is something that can maybe prevent us from doing a certain action that could be harmful to another because it's like making more or making us become more aware of our actions. Whereas shame is like, that's who I am. And we start to identify with it that I'm bad or um, whatever it might be, the story might be. So when we can start to recognize where we feel those we can then step into more deservance of like, mm. okay, I, this, this self-care is so important because I deserve to feel happy or I deserve to feel joy. I mean, happy is a whole other topic of like, how do we define that and what is that? But joy, like through that human experience, we all deserve that. So this show that we've been watching, um, Transatlantic, now it's finished, mm. I actually gave a patient that show as homework mm. because... Um, oh, it's fun to see you. You prescribe... TV shows. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's based on World War II um, on like a light, true story, but they have fictional characters in there. But I find, uh, maybe this is why I'm fascinated by World War II specifically, is time of war, there's so much pain, so much suffering, and so many emotions going on, like fear and everything. And there's also the polarities of that. There's like joy, like they find joy in moments, they find connection and Mm -hmm. because that's the human experience. So like what people experience during those times, is so heightened um, because of the external circumstances. But we're at war almost like every day with ourselves and with our life often. So like we're feeling all those emotions in our everyday. And like there's so much like beauty in seeing that this is what it is to be human, is to feel these emotions because if we didn't have these emotions like we wouldn't get excited about things we wouldn't feel how we do when we're having like an amazing meal or when we're with our partners like all these things so emotions are so important but we have such a like negative relationship to them because we don't know how to work with them Mm -hmm. yeah so true it really like paints a picture of of joy is isn't necessarily just uh it's part of like it's part of meaning making like how are you making meaning out of experience that you're in because even during those times like joy was found yeah 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 crazy so everybody watch that show yeah watch that show (laughs) if you like those stories and that's but that that's also why i wanted to bring in this idea of deserving because you know one could say like in the in the biggest crisis of you know of that person's lifetime who maybe lived through a war or what have you uh they still felt deserving enough to to play 
to to write, to dance, to sing, to eat, to to connect, you know. And I think that that idea of deserving, when we don't own that for ourselves, we're less likely to take action on our health mm -hmm. because we feel like it's not for us. And we'll find again different ways that we dismiss our responsibility. Yeah, we're very good at self sabotage. Yeah. For so, various reasons. So in listening to this dialogue, like hopefully this like hits home for you and you know, what are you gonna do with this information? Like hopefully it stimulates an idea, you know what, today I'm I'm gonna do something different. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a different kind of action for myself and uh, I'm gonna take responsibility and I'm gonna own the feelings and the emotions that come up and I'm not gonna bypass them, I'm gonna let myself feel them and then find a way to transmute them to to, to encourage that that idea of change and, and opportunity and, and being deserving. And so as we watch you journal, like from a distance, right, not, not obviously observe the writings mm -hmm. within, um, hopefully you guys can pick up some strategies and support tools for yourselves, right? Thanks for tuning in. So for those of you that enjoyed this conversation and want to find more and want to deepen your experience of uh, hormonal optimization and, and all things health related, join us in our Health Ignited Club where we meet every month. Right? Yes, we dive deep into different topics um, just like the one that you heard today and it's just a time to connect and ask some of those questions that maybe you have about your health, about your emotions, about relationships, all of it. Yeah, so go to doctors drsjensen.com and you can find our Health Ignited Club uh, in the membership mm -hmm. section of, our, of that portal. So hopefully we'll see you there. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited Podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and our website drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.